0: This This is is Yawa Yawa. Radio. Time for another inspirational quote. Be happy. Be inspired. What we do today, right now, will have an accumulated effect on all our tomorrows. Alexander Stoddard. This This is Yawa Yawa Radio. Radio. One welcome to the Yawa Radio Podcast. The Yawa Radio Podcast is an opportunity again to listen to one of our inspirational, four thought-provoking interviews that we have brought to the listeners of Yawa Radio. Yawa Radio is online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are your well-being and happiness radio station, bringing the feel-good feeling to every single day of the week. Check us out at yawaradio.com co.uk and uh, now sit back and enjoy this podcast from the yawa radio team so you're listening to yawa radio it's glass Half full with me steve and it's always uh great to be joined by inspirational guests from around the world and uh, we're off to toronto i believe now and to be joined on the line by luke Chow. luke how are you i'm very good thanks
1: for having me on
0: it's a, it's a pleasure we're going to be exploring the world of hypnosis today and uh and hypnotherapy because you are a consulting um, ther- hypnotherapist yeah okay Correct. yeah and yes. uh, founded the morpheus clinic what 15 years ago 15,
1: 15 and a half so going and on and 16 years later this year yes oh.
0: so so look let's let's begin how how did you get involved in the world of hypnosis then
1: Well, I'll give you a succinct story Um, because, well, so I would say I didn't really have a happy childhood like so, so many people, you know, on the outside, it looked good on the inside, you know, um, I, I kind of looked to different sources for peace and happiness and love and a lot of you know, th- those feelings that that good parents kind of give their kids, but that so many busy working parents, unfortunately, don't seem to give their kids. So I, I read books on Buddhism and Zen and psychology and philosophy. And in-, in all my readings, I kind of came across hypnosis as a way to kind of change one's thinking. Um, I went to university for English literature and famously there is no obvious career path after that, but I kind of studied the masters and you know, how the English language is used, um, how uh, poets and playwrights have kind of delved into their psyches to kind of explore their own humanity and then express it so that those who would read or listen to their work would have their own humanity validated even 400 years later. So um, after my, degree. um, I kind of looked at all my choices for the rest of my life. And in the intersection of uh, things I would be interested in doing things I could be good at doing and things that people actually are paying money for. uh, hypnotherapy was one of a very few things in that intersection. Um, Writing was something else. And I actually co -co wrote ghost wrote a, a, a few self help books that never really sold very well. Um, right out of university, but th- then a couple years later, I, I went on a 10 day Vipassana meditation retreat, cleared my head, examined my motivations, and I rented out my office um, when I got back two uh, two weeks after getting back from the retreat. And I've been doing hypnotherapy ever since. Wow. Um, in between, actually, I got a certification in hypnotherapy. I, I kind of skipped that part, but, um, you know, after the certification, I kind of sat on it for, for a couple of years. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I got into it way back in my early twenties, and um, you know, I would say that since then, it's my clients who kind of keep me in the profession. <laughs> Without my clients, obviously, I wouldn't have a practice. But it's it's because they like what I do that I've kept doing.
0: Do you know, you know, look, I, I I was I read it's interesting you say that I read a great um, quote last week from um, Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart. And and his quote his quote is always remember who your boss
1: is your mm. boss is the customer absolutely <laughs> I, I mean even if you're self employed I mean you know your the the money that you make comes from someone yes and. You're right. As an independent practitioner, each client is my boss. It's not that I have like no boss, mm-hmm. and it's not even that I have myself as a boss. It's that I have 15 bosses every week, <laughs> and they change um, every few weeks.
0: Yeah, and if they don't turn up, those bosses don't turn up. You haven't got a business, have you? It's simple, precisely. Yes, as simple as that. So, so look in terms of becoming a certified hypnotherapist then in 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 your part of the world because i believe Mm -hmm. it's slightly different over here in the uk yes
1: (laughs) yeah yeah well okay so um obviously there are different jurisdictions Mm. and there are different regulatory environments that practitioners around the world have to work in Mm. and when i opened my practice in 2006 um, th- th- there there was a college of psychologists, but there was no college of psychotherapists and hypnotherapy also wasn't regulated. Um, The year after I opened my practice, psychotherapy became regulated and hypnotherapy remains unregulated. There was a little bit of uncertainty for a few years, Mm -hmm. but um, the college eventually decided that hypnotherapy is not going to count as a psychotherapeutic modality. So it's not going to be regulated under the psychotherapy college. So in Ontario, hypnotherapy remains an unregulated profession. Mm -hmm. There are regulated professionals who do hypnotherapy, but... um, um, as long as I'm not doing work that resembles psychotherapy or the work of psychologists, then you know, th- this kind of work that, that, that I'm going to refer to as just direct, formal, traditional hypnosis, mm-hmm. where the practitioner does almost all the talking and the client doesn't talk too much at all, th- this kind of work seems to um, just kind of be outside the purview of the regulatory colleges in, in Ontario.
0: And, and Luke, how long does it tra- take to train or become certified in, um, in your good, part good, of
1: the world? Yeah, it, it depends on which school or program you enlist in. Okay. Um, and the, the one that I enlisted in, um, I, I, I have to admit, um, did not um, make me feel adequately prepared to start practicing, which is, I think, part of the reason why I sat on it for, for a couple of years. Um, so I took a certification. It, it ended up being uh, nominally 100 hours. Okay um, but part of that is at home training. So the, the analogy I use is that hypnotherapy training is much more like personal um, training in a gym. Well, sorry the, the, it's like the certification for a personal trainer in a gym or it's like the certification for a yoga instructor or maybe a martial arts instructor in that because it's unregulated, you can find weekend workshops. you can also find two-year, programs um so after i got my initial certification you know it it got me a a fancy looking piece of paper um um, but you know i I continued to so i i i would say that my education in hypnotism started before i got the certification um and it kind of continued as well after i got the certification um so much of what i was doing even in my first years wasn't based on the certification training, Mm -hmm. as much as all the other books and workshops and just personal conversations with practitioners that I'd had. And these days, um, most of the work I do is is even less based on the certification training. Um, Just like you could say every yoga instructor kind of develops their own uh, style and maybe even a school of thought as to how, say, yoga instruction ought to be done, every hypnotherapist kind of develops a style or sort of like their school of thought, which will be influenced by all the training they've received, and it will be influenced by all the writers they've read. But um, I would say most of what I do today is, is based on all the feedback that I've been getting from my clients. Okay. Um, so... Yeah. I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah. No, but... just,
0: yeah, no, no. no, it's, it, it is because it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I, I'll share this. I did take a little bit of an issue with one guy here in the UK uh, yeah. that was blasting over Facebook, trained to be a hypnotherapist in a weekend. Yeah. yeah right. and, so... and, I, and I contacted him and said, I, you've got to be joking, haven't you? I mean, when Anne and I trained, we were like 14, 15 months, and I, yep. you know, and I, yep. I don't, I don't really practice anymore. My, and my wife does, you know, and, yep. and he came back to me and said, Oh no, it's an, it's an introductory class. It's an, well, I said, yep. just make it clear because it's just yeah. giving the profession a little bit of a bad name well, by you know, <laughs> saying you could do yeah. it a fortnight.
1: And, and yeah. so some people wonder why hypnotherapy isn't more popular. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason is I think that some people have had bad experiences with practitioners who've taken a weekend training, mm-hmm. um, or or who aren't committed to their profession, or who think on a very short term timeline, as opposed to, to a long term timeline. Like if someone becomes a veterinarian or a dentist, they've been in school for years and years. Mm. They're not just gonna like you know close up shop in, after three months. Yes. So h- hypnotherapy, you know, kind of has that unfortunate reputation for um you know be, being hit and miss as to the quality um but also yoga instruction and personal training and martial arts instruction and any other unregulated field has sort of a similar reputation. You'll you'll find excellent practitioners. Yes. But you'll also find um, dilettantes and poorly (laughs) trained practitioners. Um, So I think people just have to approach a new practitioner with a different mindset than if they approach a dentist or a veterinarian.
0: Yeah, no, no, I mean, you're now an instructor as well for the National Guild of um, Hypnosis as well. So, and you've been around for 15 years, so hey, you know. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I, I mean, it's, it, it's hard to, to be in a profession for, you know, even five years or 10 years without gaining some kind of depth of insight and, and knowledge um, to, to the degree where in my case, I kind of felt like I'm able to teach it in ways that sometimes it's not really um, <laughs> taught in. Um, so the slogan for, for my practice is we make hypnosis make sense. Because oh. for so many people it just doesn't make any sense, and it keeps them away. But yeah. if hypnosis makes sense to people, then then it's just an obvious thing that people would do. Not really as a replacement for counseling or therapy, but if if someone wanted to, to do a deep dive into their inner world, or if they kind of want to hear in a very, um, a clear way. Um, patterns of thinking for them to adopt as their own then hypnotherapy should be a clear choice because and, psychotherapists don't do that
0: okay yeah, no and as, as and, well. and luke how how was how has your business evolved then over that 15 years you know yeah because, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well because i know well, you, i mean okay. you do a fair bit online yeah. now now you probably didn't yeah. start that way did you no. Well, um, so I I um, am sort of an early adopter of, of a lot of technology. So uh, back in 2006, I was one of the earliest people in my city to be on AdWords. So uh, on Google, You're running like- ads on Google. And th- that, I think, kind of gave my practice a huge boost in, in the first couple of years to kind of to compete toe to toe with the existing um, incumbents. Um, So it started as a one-person practice, as all practices do. Mm -hmm. Um, I was working part-time as well, um, taking notes for deaf and hard-of-hearing college students. Um, So I had some flexibility with my schedule that way. Um, And within about six months, um, I was able to quit the part-time job and do hypnotherapy full-time. At about the two-year mark, I hired my first employee. So um, she she was an, an admin. Um, and, you know, in the next few years, I also uh, brought on part time associate practitioners, because, um, you know, I, I think one of the, the effects of being good at online marketing or being an early adopter of online marketing is that other practitioners who are good at what they do might kind of be sitting twiddling <laughs> their thumbs and not having any clients. So I brought on board some part time practitioners Um over the years, um, you know, the, the, the practice has kind of shifted back to a um, single practitioner model, and um, you know, it, it's it, it it wasn't an easy move for me. The, the pandemic ac- accelerated that move, um, but it, it wasn't an easy move because my my initial dream was to kind of you know. Have multiple pr- practitioners working under one roof, and then because I'm better than average at marketing and explaining hypnosis to the public, I could kind of be be the figurehead, and then I could just bring in clients, and then I'll have people trained in my thought process and my methods working under me. Um, but you know, the the, the people who. You know, kind of take a part time job working for another practice. Th- their dream isn't to forever be working <laughs> part time for another practice. So I, I had some churn. I, I, I. I anyway, um, what I ended up concluding was that um, rather than having me be like a businessman and and a marketer and mm-hmm. just a figurehead, if I'm going to contribute the most that I can in the hypnotherapy realm, then I've also got to be the person seeing most of the clients, and it's when I started to shift back to a one-practitioner model that's when I think my thinking in the hypnotherapy realm kind of um, accelerated, um, which is inevitable because if you know if, if you're in an office looking at spreadsheets, <laughs> then you know you're not improving your work as a hypnotherapist. But if you're face-to-face with clients and you're getting feedback from them and you're taking responsibility for the work that you do for them then it's inevitable that your your work is going to improve so um, it's when i shifted back to this one practitioner model that i think that my my work kind of accelerated and one innovation i don't know whether to call it an innovation (laughs) um, but one thing i've started doing recently that I, i haven't done that this is um i started doing two and a half years ago is writing out treatment plans for new clients and i've been doing this for free Mm -hmm. because i think a a lot of the impediment to people doing hypnotherapy is they have no idea what the heck you're going to put inside their head so Uh um early early in my career i couldn't have written treatment plans because it would just be a dialogue and then the plan emerges as i talk to the client over four sessions or five sessions Um, but the longer i practice the 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 more i'm able to hit the nail on the head with my message and part of the reason I'm kind of, you know, putting myself out there on podcasts and stuff is because I know I can hit the, the nail on the head with the messaging. If you present to me, like, you know, how would one think to become a, a, a non-smoker? How would one think to become a fearless public speaker? How would one think in order to become a fearless flyer? I, I, can, I can just tell you, bang, 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 here are the main things to focus on. So... Um, I've been writing out treatment plans, and it's good for the client because it won't be a mystery what ideas I'm going to communicate to them. It's good for me because now that I have clear, written, informed consent, I can be much more directive and clear with my messaging. I don't have to be as tentative. I, I don't have to kind of like dance. Or like I don't have to soften my message because I've put it into writing. The client says yes, that message I want to accept. And then I can be very clear and directive in, in, in how I communicate it to, to the client. Um, so th- no. th- that's one thing I've, I've started doing re- you know, th- for the past two and a half years that seems to have really um, made clients happier. It's also relieved some stress on my side because th- – you know, when there's less disagreement or miscommunication, you know, it's not just the clients are happier; it's also my, my job is easier. <laughs> yeah, um,
0: very much so. And it's interesting, is it, how you went through that 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 pattern of like um, business person yeah. back back to where you are as a hypnotherapist. Yeah, it's, yeah, and you know, I, I guess you had to go through that to come back to your purpose.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, um, you know whatever I'm doing, I want to do a good job at. Hmm. Um, and you know, I, 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 um, it's possible that in the future I might shift gears again to kind of, you know, be the person to write the treatment plans and then be the figurehead and then like do the public facing interviews. And and then, you know, maybe I'll probably end up having to bring on associates maybe full time. So I don't, you know if, if i treat them well enough they're not going to want to be in their own practices again it is it, the hope yeah um so yeah so whatever i do i want to do a good job at it and i think at, at this phase in my career at least um i'm not yet 40 um so i have you know potentially another 20 25 years in, in this profession at this phase i i i i want to be to be or become an excellent hypnotherapist
0: wonderful love it love it what a a goal to have eh?
1: well yeah i I started young enough that (laughs) that it's quite plausible that you know if if i keep doing the work that i do if i keep taking into taking to heart client feedback um and then if i keep having like public discussions it's quite plausible that by the time i'm 50 or, or or 60 that I'm going to be much better known, um, and you know, my hope is that I'm defining um, good hypnotherapy for the public, and I'm re- I'm I'm a good I'm a good ambassador for the profession in the public, so that people realize that like the weekend um, certifications are not the norm, mm-hmm. and you know, people are kind of able to recognize if the person they're about to hire may not know what they're talking about.
0: Oh yeah, look, and and look in terms of from from your experience then for people listening to this right now in terms of what what are the biggest? I want to use should I use the word fears or doubts? What do the clients have about
1: <laughs> hypnosis? Yeah. So um, just off the top of my head, um, the fact that it's not regulated is not lost on most people, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually if someone kind of treats me like, for example, if someone calls me doctor, then I have to correct them, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think most people are aware that it's kind of like hiring a personal trainer or hiring a yoga instructor that they kind of have to assess. But the the lack of regulation um, means that it's not covered by insurance, so everyone pays out of pocket, and that creates a lot of hesitation. The the lack of regulation means that people don't know what I'm going to put inside their heads. And I could put back, you know, it it is possible to leave people worse off. If I give people a worldview that's not a grounded, you know, helpful worldview, they'll be left worse off than if they came in with this basically solid understanding of how the world works. So, um, you know, I I think a lot of the hesitation is around just sort of the lack of regulation. A lot of the hesitation is also around the Hollywood portrayal of of hypnotists or hypnotherapists as mind controllers. And that's why I want, you know, to to kind of make hypnosis make sense for people. Because if it does make sense, then it's something people will kind of want to do as opposed to, to to be afraid of.
0: And I guess you know, Luke. If you're not going by that, if if you could really control somebody's mind, um, you'd, uh, you'd probably be hitting some really key people right now, wouldn't you?
1: <laughs> well, well, yeah. Like the, the world would be a much more peaceful place, place, and there won't be wars anymore. And everyone would be well fed enough, and you know, people are going to be well educated. If I could actually have the power to just control people's minds, yes. But it's it's because I have to do things with the client's consent that, um, you know, I, I'm writing out the treatment plans and th- that's why the treatment plans are so helpful. Cause I can't just tell someone, you know, you, you, are a non-smoker, you're done with cigarettes, poof, there you are. Mm-hmm. I, I have to kind of give people a worldview such that life as a non-smoker is the obvious path forward.
0: Yeah. That, d- d- love it. So the other th- certain areas that you, you love working with more than others or is in the he- hypnosis
1: field. Yeah, good, good question. I'll have to think about this because I, I I do kind of try to take on every case where I feel like I can write a plan for that case. So, cases I don't take on would be, f- for example, if the client can't define for me what a picture of success looks like. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's if they come in and they say they're unhappy, but they don't know why, they don't know what they want. I know I can't satisfy that client. It's almost like if you get into a taxi cab and you say to the driver, just drive. I don't care where. You know, the the driver doesn't have a job to do then. Um, It's only in movies that you can kind of say, just drive, and they start driving. Um, So, um, you know, so I, I do like cases where there's a very clearly defined end goal and that end goal has to be something that's achievable with changes in mindset or attitude or perspective, because th- that's kind of the main um, lever that I have for for causing change. It, you know, if 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 a shift in mindset um, fixes the problem, then hypnotherapy can probably help. But if a shift in mindset can't fix the problem, uh, then hypnotherapy probably can't help um so i you know i i like those clearly defined cases for which i can write a plan and then my estimates usually can be met um th- whereas the more vaguely defined um the problem is or the more vaguely defined a picture of success would be the the, the less i'm able to write a plan and then the less likely i am to be able to help
0: And Luke, what what about the situations where, because you sometimes, you maybe come across this, and I mean, we've come across this over this part of the world, where you get maybe a, a partner says, I'd like my partner to stop
1: smoking, Ooh. and I, and, <laughs> yeah. and and I want so to I want to book him in with you. <laughs> so th- th- that's an opportunity to kind of educate the person who's calling mm-hmm. as to the fact that it's not just that we don't do mind control; it's that the proper way to treat your partner is to recognize their agency and independence and free will and freedom of thought. And you know, if 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 they in the future decide they want to quit smoking, we're happy to take their call but as a matter of policy we don't book sessions on behalf of someone else unless you're that person's legal parent or guardian so obviously in that situation we'll take a booking on behalf of the child's behalf um but you know if someone's calling for their spouse if someone's calling for their mom if, if someone's calling for their adult friend then no no um you know we, we don't want to normalize you know these kind of conspiracies to make people do things against their will. Yeah. We want to normalize, um, you know, people reaching out on their own free will, so that we can kind of engage with them on those um, on those terms.
0: And and look how how long does a does a session normally last?
1: Um, d- d- different practitioners will kind of have different um, standards of. Uh, of 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 how they conduct themselves um so i'm not speaking for every hypnotherapist um but um ever since the pandemic i've i've kind of been leaving 30 minutes in between sessions which means sessions often will then end (laughs) up going over time um so because i've kind of stopped booking sessions back to back uh excuse me um we, we kind of target um, about 60, so full 60 minute sessions. Okay. Um, again, it often goes over 60 minutes. Um, and uh, in those 60 minutes, we're targeting around 45 to 50 minutes of formal hypnosis where the client's eyes are closed. And, you know, as I said, in, in Ontario, we kind of have to practice in a way that's clearly not psychotherapy. Yes. And, you know, psychotherapists don't just kind of have their clients close their eyes and, and then listen for 50 minutes <laughs> in a row. But, but that's kind of, you know, what makes hypnotherapy unique. So, so yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and what about, is, you know, I can just think of some people now going, um, well, um, Luke, um, how, um, how many sessions will I need?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, part, part of the reason I um, will do the treatment plans is because it, it's not a question to be taken lightly. Hmm. Um, so, you know, like whoever's listening to this right now is not someone we've assessed. So we have to find out a bit about the client's history and hmm. their goals and their suggestibility. And then, um, you know, if I'm going to say X number of sessions, I'm also going to have an outline Um of what I'm going to communicate during those sessions. I don't really like to blurt out numbers. Hmm. Um, I can tell you that out of the treatment plans I've written and over the past two and a half years, we have like close to close to or maybe just over a thousand treatment plans we've written. So one of the downsides of of this profession is we have a reputation for rapid change. So the typical client might come for two sessions or three sessions, and we got to find ourselves new clients. Hmm. So, um, you know, so a a thousand um, treatment plans over two and a half years is actually not as impressive as it sounds. That's just what we have to do when the average client finishes after a couple of sessions to have a full practice. Um, So uh, I would say that for something like smoking cessation, where one can make a decision Mm -hmm. um, and where life as a non smoker is actually quite normal and quite natural. um, Two sessions is the norm. At least, again, for, for the style of practice that, that I do. Yep. Um, when it comes to something like weight loss, where people can't just decide to stop eating food or stop having food in their fridge, food's going to be around, they're going to have to consume it. And it's a matter of management as opposed to quitting or decision making. I mean, there is decision making involved, but it's, you can't make a final decision just to be done with food. Um, so with weight management, it's something closer to five sessions, um, for most fears and phobias, I'm fighting around three to five sessions and often it ends up being less than the estimate because the longer I practice the, you know, the more I'm able to kind of hit the nail on the head with the first or the first couple of sessions.
0: It's, it's, I'll share this with you as well. Cause one, when, when we were training and, uh, there was, um, I think we are on about m- Month four in the training, mm-hmm. and one of the guys on the, on the course went, Um, he went, I'm just loving this, I'm just loving this. I'll just keep hypnotizing everybody to come back, right? Mm-hmm. And on that day, the head tutor was there, yeah, and he pulled him to one side over coffee. Yeah, yep. we never saw him again, yeah, because he said that's not what it's about. That's not, yep. it's not about yep. hypnotizing people to keep coming back forever and ever and ever,
1: yeah, yeah, well. Hypnotherapy does have this reputation for rapid change, and it's not completely unearned, hmm. you know. Um, so, you know, if, and at the same time, psychoanalysis, just to pick an example, has a reputation for not at all rapid change and for you know thrice weekly sessions for five years or for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think a lot of clients choose to engage with a hypnotherapist. Because it's quite plausible that after two or three hours of listening, they can be talked into a worldview where being a non-smoker is normal. They, they can be talked into a worldview where they'll say they'll take care of their bodies like they'll take care of a house plant. So they're going to give themselves enough nutrition, but not too much. Um, so, you know, it's quite plausible that after a few hours of listening to, to you know, to, to clear healthy Helpful ways of thinking that um, that's, that someone can can make a breakthrough or a change. Um, so it's it's not just unethical for the client to kind of get them coming back over and over again unnecessarily. It's also quite detrimental to the profession mm-hmm. if you know the practitioner gets the client to come back over and over again unnecessarily I, i'm actually seeing my 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 white whale my my holy grail is the mythical one session change on a dependable basis you know I, 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 <laughs> yeah. so so there, there 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 was a practitioner that there I, i'm gonna say was he he's still alive he's still <laughs> Teaching, but I don't think he's practicing anymore. His name is Mike Mandel. Um, I actually saw his stage show when I was an undergrad at U of, at the University of Toronto. Yeah. Um, but he he um, he used to advertise that for most issues that um, he would see, um, he would only need one session. Um, I think it was a longer session. It was like maybe an hour and a half or two hour session. Weight loss would need a few sessions because it's on a longer timeline compared to phobias or quitting smoking, for example, mm-hmm. um, and he would charge $500 for, for that one session. and th- th- that's like like in 2010 dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you know, it's not implausible because he's been around for decades. Mm-hmm. It's not implausible that, you know, maybe given another 10 years, or maybe another 20 years, that I'm able to honestly advertise that you know for, for for an issue like overcoming a fear where it's a matter of wrapping your head around the worldview of, of a fearless person that you know one session you know maybe a, a couple hours of concentrated listening to the to, to the right thoughts and the right ideas is enough to cause them to kind of abandon the fearful ways of thinking and then adopt the fearless ways of thinking it, it's quite plausible mm-hmm. um so th- that for me is the Holy grail and you know the the the, the 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 one of the challenges of course is to, to also then make a living at the same time because yes. <laughs> unfortunately we're all constrained by economics you know yeah. my, my, my 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 downtown office costs money my full time um assistant/coordinator costs money. money my advertising costs money um, but you know the, the, so the higher rates are going to have to come with quicker change quicker and change you know, one of the barriers I think a lot of people come across with hypnotherapists is we do charge more than licensed counselors and therapists much of the time. But if we are to maintain a downtown office and a full-time assistant, if we are to kind of be fully immersed in our profession and not have like one foot out the door, then we just to make the same amount of money as a therapist or counselor who hosts either see clients for 12 sessions or 20 sessions, we have to charge a higher hourly rate. It's just economics. Just Yeah. I, I get that.
0: Uh, Luke, before we, before we finish, I want to um, touch on a couple of things. You've mentioned fears and phobias a couple of times Yeah. from, from the person listening to that. How, how would you, de- how would you define the difference between a fear and a phobia?
1: Yeah. Well, I, 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 I kind of use the word um, th- th- fear and phobia Um almost interchangeably or almost with a slash in between those two words. Okay. Um, so a phobia, I, I would kind of define, usually when I'm talking about a phobia, I'm talking about a simple phobia. So it's um, it's like, you know, see spider, feel fear. Okay. Um, you know, like, see, you know, imagine boarding the airplane, feel fear. Um, See the audience feel, you know, it, it's like there's a stimulus response um, uh, dynamic happening. Mm-hmm um fears i would define more broadly where one can be afraid of something that you can't see Mm -hmm. um so afraid of uh rejection for example or you know you know so yeah um i I mean i i've heard both words used kind of in multiple ways um but that's that's how i would kind of define those terms
0: okay okay and and just as you know, the, yeah, there you are, you're in downtown Toronto. So you obviously work face-to-face with clients in in the <laughs> office, but you also do a fair bit online as well now, don't you?
1: Yeah, well, I'm using my online hypnosis setup right now. Um, yeah. As you might be able to hear, I'm, I'm coming across even over the internet mm-hmm. fairly clearly. And um, online hypnosis, I think, just kind of became normalized during the pandemic, where some of my competitors in downtown Toronto, they've actually given up their office leases and now they're online only. So, um, you know, that obviously opens up sort of an international audience. But yes, I'll, I'll see clients in office in downtown Toronto um, or online anywhere in the world, as long as the client has a good internet connection.
0: I was going to ask you that because from a, from a, a, a session, I mean, um, if you were in the middle of a session and the line went down... Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah,
1: so um, th- th- yeah. <laughs> there are obviously more things that could go wrong during an online session. So one is the internet connection could uh, be interrupted. Two is sometimes the client's child or dog or cat um, bothers them in the middle of, of a session. Something else that, that could happen is, you know, I guess that there could be a power outage um, on, on either side. Um, this is one of the reasons I, I leave an extra 30 minutes in between appointments these days it's because if something like that happens there's going to then be enough time for the client to reconnect mm-hmm. um and but in terms of risk or danger it's kind of like being suddenly um, uh, um pulled out of, of like a movie you're in the middle of you might be disoriented for a few moments but you know after a few moments you'll reorient to reality and there's no lasting harm um, but yeah when it comes to just kind of the nuisance of bad internet connections I, I've kind of seen it all at this point and we just we just deal we just cope
0: but but I guess you know even sometimes in a in, in a face-to-face session you know depending on where you are you know th- there could be extraneous noises coming from outside that's you oh, yeah. know yeah yep there's,
1: there's, there was a water main being dug up in front of my office in, in one of the earlier years of my practice And I actually set up some electronic equipment. So I'm talking into a microphone that just captures my voice from in front of it. And then the client puts on noise-canceling headphones. And then we have a mixing board where we're going to mix in some music to Mm -hmm. block out outside. We we just manage to the best of our abilities. Um, But, you know, um, we definitely don't need perfect conditions to hypnotize people. Um, the, The main point will be the message that's being delivered.
0: Okay. And, and Luke, one, one final question then, because it just came to me as you're talking about there about online as well. What, what about if a client has an abreaction reaction through that, through the process?
1: Good, good question. So um, AB reactions, um, j- j- just for the audience, um, mm-hmm. is when the client um, kind of flashes back to a very strong, um, usually a negative emotional experience. And um, so you'll see the client suddenly cry or maybe they'll flail about. Um, and, you know, it's 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 something that's much more likely to happen during age regression, mm-hmm. um, which is a technique that hypnotists use to kind of have the client revisit earlier stage or earlier years of their life and, almost, and even to relive earlier life events. So ever since psychotherapy became regulated in Ontario, I've actually stopped using age regression. So almost all the work I do is direct suggestion. Um, At first, I wasn't quite comfortable with just using direct suggestion because I didn't know what to say. But now it's very—it's much more obvious to me what I have to say to a client in each situation because this is how I have practiced to comply with the laws in in Ontario. Um, So because I am speaking more to the present and the future than the past, I don't think I've seen an ab reaction for, for like the past 10, 10 years. Um, I actually, I can think of one case where just hypnotizing the client caused them to abreact. This was in my office. It wasn't online. Wow. Um, in some cases, giving people like a supportive environment mm-hmm. where they can feel their feelings. Um, that's what opens up the floodgates. So, um, th- that has happened, but. Even though it was in my office, you know, one of the rules is you don't touch clients who are abreacting. Well, you don't, I don't touch clients at all, but Mm. especially when they're abreacting. So I I would just have to maintain a distance and use my words to pull them out of it. Mm -hmm. Online, I still wouldn't touch them. I wouldn't be able to, and I would still use my words to pull them out of it.
0: W- wonderful, wonderful. Just the, just the thought that came as you were, as you were talking yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. So look, if, if people want to find out more about you and want to get in touch with you, how can they do
1: that? Yeah, p- probably the best resource is a free resource, which is my YouTube channel, Morpheus Hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And th- this has some free sample sessions. Um, this, this has a, a crash course on how to hypnotize your friends for fun. It's not for you know anything serious. It's just for, for fun. Um, it's also got videos where I'm talking about different topics in the realm of personal development or hypnosis. So my YouTube channel, Morpheus Hypnosis, um, if you are in a position to do private sessions with me, if you want to do online sessions, or if you're in Toronto, you can contact the Morpheus Clinic for Hypnosis at um, www.morpheusclinic.com. And um, after a consultation, I'll write a treatment plan if I think I can help
0: wonderful look it's been a pleasure talking to you and exploring Likewise. the world of hypnosis it's awesome thank you so much and have a wonderful
1: day okay. you too take care thank you
0: yawa radio bringing the feel-good feeling to every day a big thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast from the team at Yawa Radio. Remember to check us out live online 24 hours a day 7 days a week at yawaradio.co.uk And if you'd like to join us as a guest on Yawa Radio or as a guest on the Yawa Radio podcast we would love to hear from you. Simply email studio at yawaradio.co.uk Once again, a big thank you for taking the time out to listen. This is the Yawa Radio podcast Copyright applies.
1: Tune in to Yawa Radio every Sunday between 4 and 6 in the afternoon for the Calm and Joy Show with me, Gabrielle Trainer. Each week I bring you the Calm and Joy Book Club. I chat with brilliant people all about how we can find more calm and joy in our complicated, messy lives, and tons more, including top tunes of course. So join me for the Calm and Joy show on Sundays from 4pm on Yawa Radio.
0: This This is Yawa Radio. Radio.